Well, hello, Clergy Chick listeners. Thanks for tuning in. If ever you want to give to that which makes it happen, give to my church, Chapel by the Sea, on Clearwater Beach, Florida. You can text GIVE to 727-222-1336. And as always, this is the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From November the 29th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, and when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. What I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. My cousin was part of the MP, military police for the army. He was stationed um, in Berlin in the years leading up to the fall of the Berlin Wall. So I guess what, 90s, early, late 80s, early 90s? When was it? 89? He had several duties as part of the MP, and one of his duties was to occasionally have to stay in the gatehouse, the guardhouse, there at the entrance to the base in Berlin. And as you can imagine, that was a tedious, lonely, boring job, to stay in the gatehouse overnight to watch for anybody that would want to come in who wasn't supposed to come in. And so on one occasion, and maybe more occasions than one, he... had a hard time keeping awake, and so he had a desk there in the gatehouse, and he kind of put his arms down on the table and decided just to take a little, a little cat nap. You know how that goes. Just a little, just a little rest, just for a minute. And so he put his head down, and that little cat nap turned into quite a long slumber, apparently, because early the next morning, he was awakened from his, quote, cat nap by his commanding officer walking through the door, 
And being quick on his feet, or on his desk, if you will, he thought to himself, oh no, I've been caught, what do I do? So he said, amen. (laughs) And he lived to tell another day. (laughs) It's hard to keep awake sometimes, isn't it? When have you had a hard time keeping awake. When I was thinking about that, I I thought back to my seminary days. I lived, uh, I went to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and I had an internship at a place in Denton, Texas, which was about an hour's drive from Fort Worth. And so every week I would go up there and I'd have to drive back, and the drive was about at 11 p.m. at night. And if you've ever driven on a Texas highway, You know how flat and straight and nothing those Texas highways are. And it was so hard to stay awake driving home every week at 11 o'clock. It's hard to keep awake if you're a child on Christmas Eve trying to stay awake just to catch a glimpse of Santa Claus. You remember that? It's hard to keep awake if you're a college student cramming for finals. And it's hard to keep awake if you are Terry or Rhonda Blevins trying to stay awake on New Year's Eve to watch the ball drop. (laughs) Sometimes it's just hard to keep awake. But that's what Jesus tells his listeners to do in this strange passage that I read from the Gospel of Mark. Keep awake, he tells his listeners. Now here, we're on the first Sunday of Advent, which I don't know if you're familiar with the liturgical calendar, but this is the new year for Christian New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. And on this, thank you, and on this first Sunday of Advent, the lectionary always takes us to these strange, weird sort of texts like the one that we find ourselves in today from the Gospel of Mark, these apocalyptic texts. And the word apocalypse simply means revealing. And so in this text, we find the revealing of something. What it is, what's it revealing? It's the revealing of the Son of Man coming on the clouds to call forth the elect from the four winds is the language that we find. It's weird sort of language. And Jesus tells his listeners that it's like this. It's like a, a man going on a journey, on a long journey, and he puts his slaves in charge of his house and his properties And he doesn't tell them when he's coming back. And there's an expectation that the slaves take care of the house and the properties and that they better be prepared. Who knows when the master might come. So you better keep awake. You better watch out. You just don't know when it's going to happen. Now, when we get to these texts in the Bible like this, this apocalyptic language, it's always helpful to think about the context in which these writings occurred. And so we're in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is believed to be the very first of the four Gospels that was written. And none of the Gospels were written at the time that Jesus was alive. In fact, they were written many years later. The Gospel of Mark has the earliest Scholars believe uh, was written around the year 70 A.D., give or take just a few years, which is roughly 40 years after the life of Jesus. And if you think about 40 years after the life of Jesus, almost everyone who knew Jesus, like live and in person, they they were getting few and far between. And so Mark and others pinned the story of Jesus' life to to carry the story on to the generations who wouldn't know Jesus in a live, in-person kind of way. 
But by the time this gospel is written, at 70 AD, things had deteriorated in the life of the Jews. Because in 66 AD, the Jews decided that they had had enough of the Roman Empire. And they mounted an insurgency against the Roman Empire in 66 AD. And Rome was going to have nothing of it. And little by little, Rome crushed the Jewish insurgency. And by the time that 70 AD rolls around, the Roman Empire burned down the Jewish temple, level it. They completely destroy the temple. And so the first listeners of this Gospel of Mark had that as their context. The crushing of the Jewish people, the leveling of the temple, the sacred temple. And so Mark wants to offer a word of hope. And the the subtext, in my mind, it goes something like this, that Mark's telling the people, things are bad. Things are really bad. But it won't always be this way. Because Jesus will come again, he'll come on the clouds, he'll gather up his elect from the four winds, and the world will be turned upside down. The strong will be made weak, and the weak will be made strong. That's our hope. So Mark is giving people something to look forward to. Maybe not in this lifetime, but in the eschaton. Now here we are Advent 2020, in this amazing, wonderful, spectacular year of the Lord, (laughs) 2020, Mm. (laughs) Jim says, "Mm." okay, maybe not so much. What a year, what is, I just keep saying to people, what a strange, weird time, what a weird year. And maybe it's not as difficult for us this year as it was for the Jews in 70 AD, but it's, it's been challenging for many of us. We might even say things are, are bad. Things are challenging and difficult. And we've had, each of us have, have kind of had our coping mechanisms, haven't we? I, I know some of yours, some of you have told me your coping mechanism, and I've already confessed to one of my coping mechanisms. So back in July, Disney released Hamilton, the musical. And when my kids think back to the pandemic in 2020, they're going to remember that their mother watched Hamilton more times than, she's, um, than she wants to confess. <laughs> and part of the story of Hamilton, as you probably know, is the American Revolution. And, and here's a little spoiler alert. The colonies win. And in the song that they sing, after the colonies win, after, after oh, how does it go? How does a ragtag army in need of a shower somehow defeat a global superpower? So you want me to quote any more Hamilton? I got you covered. I got you covered. But the song that they sing after the revolution is won, they sing this. The world turned upside down. The world turned upside down. The world turned upside down. The world turned upside down, down, down. I'll stop there. I don't want to stop there, but I'll stop there. The world was turned upside down. 
the lowly, the, the, the ragtag army in need of a shower defeated the global superpower and the world was turned upside down. And that's what Mark wants to give hope to the people reading his gospel that, that one of these days the world will be turned upside down. The Roman Empire will be crushed. The lowly will be made strong. And so Mark's Jesus tells the people, keep awake. Be ready. Be on the lookout. Don't fall asleep in the watchtower, but be ready because you don't know the moment that he's going to come and he's going to turn the world upside down. Yeah! But this Advent, it's a season of waiting. We're not there yet. The world hasn't been turned upside down yet, so we wait. And we sing the Advent hymns. Oh, we sing uh, like Sonia and Carolyn sang just a moment ago. What was it? Come, thou long-expected Jesus. You hear the, the yearning in that. We sing, wait for the Lord whose day is near. And then my favorite Advent hymn. Oh, come. Oh, come, Emmanuel. Do you hear the yearning in that? For waiting for the Lord's arrival. Now, an Advent rolls around every year. We kind of, uh, as my friend Reverend Fritz Gutwein, who's leading the, the thing tomorrow with me, he said we suspend our belief because we know, we know that Christmas is coming. We do this every year, but, but it, it's kind of like a holy imagination where we suspend belief, not remembering that Jesus has already come. But the thing with Jesus coming is that Jesus comes in history, in mystery, and in majesty. Let me break that down for you. Jesus came in history. Jesus comes in mystery. And Jesus will come in majesty. And that's why we wait. That's why we wait for the Lord whose day is near. And what is our job in the meantime? It's to do the work. To tend the master's house. To take care of the properties and to, to take care of the children. To, to feed the chickens and to put oil in the lamp. To sweep the floors. To, to be ready for when he comes again in majesty. Our job is to do the work. And Chapel by the Sea, you guys... You guys have been doing the work. You do the work every day. Every time you are kind to a neighbor, every time you bring a toy for a kid at the Haven, every time you give a turkey to folks at the food bank, you're doing the work, Chapel. And the, and the job for you during Advent is to just keep on doing the work. To tend the master's house until the master returns. And so we wait for the return of Christ. This return that's going to turn the world upside down. We believe that it will happen, we just don't know when. Kind of in the way that we know that a vaccine is coming, but we don't know exactly when we're going to get it. And when we're going to be able to take these silly masks off and sing at the top of our lungs the great hymns of faith. I can't wait for that. The day that we get to do that is the day that we're just going to have a big hymn fest. I haven't talked to you about this, Ron. 
but that's, that's what we're planning. We're just going to sing that day. He's shaking his head yes, so. But until that day comes, we do the work of masking, of distancing, of staying out of crowds to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe. So we know something about waiting, don't we? But we are not waiting as a people without hope. We are waiting as those who dream. Who dream of a world where people are safe in a crowd. Safe to sing in a church. The hymn that we close with today is a beautiful hymn that I was introduced to uh, just a year or two ago. It's called The Canticle of the Turning. And it's an old Irish tune, but Rory Cooney, a church musician, put new lyrics to it. And this is what he writes about this song. He says, the idea is that we are all walking a particular course dictated by the gods of this world. And for Jesus and his countrymen, the god's name was Caesar. Jesus was saying, look, how is that working out for you? Happy? He says, well, I have good news. A God with another idea, and his name is Abba. Let's turn around, he writes, and walk in another direction. And so the revolution is both interior, a change of heart self, as well as corporate and visible. It's a new way of living together. It is, in fact, against the prevailing set of values in society, a revolution. But I want to emphasize, he writes, that this is a peaceful revolution, a revolution of action, of persuasion, of justice. And so the canticle of the turning invites us to sing around the fire in the darkness while we await the new world's dawn. So chapel, do the work, and in the meantime, sing around the fire in the darkness as we together await the coming of the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.